Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. It's good to worship the Lord together this morning. As you're watching on Facebook Live or on the web or the radio, we're glad you're with us this morning. This past Thursday afternoon, as I was about to leave the office, I told Pastor Jim that I think I'm going to change the sermon. Now, that's unusual because Thursday is usually our last day in the office, and then we uh, take Friday off. But I just felt compelled that the sermon needed to be changed. And let me explain why. It's not because what's going on uh, broadly in our world. Of course, we have pandemic. Many people are dying. We have unrest and division and upheaval in our country. We have hurricanes and fires. That's dramatic and traumatic. But that's not what caused me to uh, change my sermon. What caused me to change my sermon is what's happening within our church. I mean, it is really unfortunate or a bummer that we can't meet together on Sunday morning. We, we did for a while, but then we've been shut down the last month because uh, a few on our staff and within our church got the virus, and that, that's very sad and scary as well. And it's been a tough summer. It's been a tough summer of losing people uh, in our church that, that we love. And this past week, our, our brother Bob McKendrick had a horrible accident and went to be with the Lord. And just, we, we love Anna so much. And there's just so much, um, like I would say, kind of a trauma going on in the body of Christ. It's a lot of grieving. And what I've heard from people is they'll say things like, I just wish Jesus would come back. I'm just ready for Jesus to come back. And I'm ready for him to come back as well. And as we anticipate his return, we've got to ask ourselves, are you ready for his return? I mean, we want him to come back, but are you ready for his return? So this morning, I'm going to talk about what does it look like to get ready for the return of Christ. And as we talk about the return of Christ, we're going to hear from Jesus speak to us in Matthew 24. And we're going to just dive right into what his words are as we start in verse 36. So if you want to have your Bible in front of you, uh, we're not going to have the words up. Uh, so if you want to just open up your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew 24, verse 36. Let me start with one, that verse right now. Jesus said, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. Jesus is returning to earth today at 3 o'clock. I hope you don't have any plans. I mean, that is that ridiculous? People have always been predicting the return of Christ and trying to give dates and years on when it's going to occur, and every single one of them have been wrong so far. 
Like, who knows when Jesus is going to come back? Does anyone know? No. Do, do, do the angels know? No. D- does the son know? Well, no. Now, how can Jesus not know when he's coming back? It seems to see what he says here in verse 36. Well, I think while he was on this earth, he chose to restrain his knowledge of these events as he entered into the human experience. Of course, I believe he knows now. But in this context, only the Father knows as he has set the times and the dates by his authority. But let's not fixate on timing. Let's fixate on what are we supposed to do while we wait. Let's go ahead and jump ahead to verses 37 through 39. Jesus says in verse 37, For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Huh, so Jesus is saying, well, it's kind of like the days before the flood. People were just doing normal things. I mean, we're not even talking about evil things, right? We're just talking about eating, drinking, and and being married, and, and giving in marriage. But here's the deal. They were warned that God's judgment is coming, and yet they still just went about business as usual. Hey, let's go out to eat. Let's go get something to drink. Hey, let's have a wedding. Judgment was coming. And Noah is just faithfully building, building, and building, and he's preaching, preaching, preaching. Judgment is coming. And they're like, Noah, you're crazy. And so they just went about their business. Let's go out to eat, something to drink, let's have a wedding. And then the flood all of a sudden came upon the earth, and judgment was swift. You, you think about us as believers. What we do. We hold them out a message of hope and out a message of judgment. All right, so let's, let's, let's hit on the hope, okay? We tell our neighbors and friends and family, we say, look, 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 good news. God loves you. You can be reconciled to him. Though you're a sinner, the Father sent the Son to die on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose again. You can put your faith in Jesus. You can have a relationship with God and live forever. Good news, there is hope. And yet there's also a warning. If you reject this good news, you reject the gospel, you reject the son, his wrath is coming, and it will be swift. And once it comes, it will be too late. Jesus continues. He continues in verses 37. Let me jump down to verses 40. He gives us another illustration here. Look at verse 40. He says, then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. This is interesting. So two men are working out in the field. Maybe they're friends and family members and just coworkers. And one's a believer and one's not a believer. Then all of a sudden, boom, the believer gets caught up to meet Jesus in the air while the unbeliever is left for coming judgment. Or, Or two women are working. Says they're grinding at the meal. Maybe they're friends, maybe they're family members, maybe they're co-workers. But in an instant, the believer is caught up to meet Jesus in the air. 
And it's going to happen so quickly. We, we, we always assume we have so much time. And that's why we give out the message of hope and warning. We say the time is short. You never know when Christ is going to come back. You know, we never know. We're going to be caught up to meet him in the air. As believers, judgment is coming. It's time to get ready. It's time to get ready now. And Jesus wants us watching. And he wants us vigilant. Look at verse 42. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. By the way, these aren't my words. These are the words of Jesus. He says, be ready. Be on alert. You don't know when this is going to happen. You don't know. None of us know. You don't know, so you got to get ready. And he gives this little mini parable. Verse 43. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you must also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you do not think he will. Tonight, 1035, a thief is going to break into your house. Are you ready? And you're like, thank you for giving me the warning. If you knew the thief was going to break into your house at 1035 tonight, you would have protection ready to roll. Or maybe you would bring over your small group and you would share the gospel while you called 911 at the same time. You would be prepared. But you don't know when that's going to happen. That's the imagery Jesus is giving us. You don't know when the thief is coming and you don't know when I'm coming. So you've got to be ready all the time. This New Testament imagery of Jesus compared to a thief coming in night is, is in other places. Let me read to you briefly. 1 Thessalonians 5.2. 1 Thess 5.2 says, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Jesus says in Revelation 16.15, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake. He's saying, stay awake. You don't know when I'm coming. Be spiritually alert. Be spiritually awake. This is not just spiritual talk. What does it mean to be spiritually awake? He means live a life in line with my commandments. Live a life in line with my holiness and wait my return. It's put this way in Titus. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14 this is really good. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us, from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Okay. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and the finished work of Christ alone. If we're truly saved and followers of Jesus, we will pursue a life of holiness. And the idea is here is that Christ is coming back. People get ready. The way you get ready is you live a life of holiness in line with his commandments and who he is in his character. It's not legalism. It's love. He could come at any time. Do you want to be participating what you're participating in 
if he's coming back. I just think about kids, if they're in, they're in their bedroom just being foolish and doing something crazy, and, and their parents come in and they're busted. Or, or kids at school just doing foolish stuff, and the teacher comes in and they're busted. We don't want to be like that when Christ comes back. We don't want to be participating in foolishness or waywardness. we got to get ready. And the way we get ready is we walk in line with who he is in his character. And Jesus keeps talking here. He keeps talking here. Look at verse 45. He says, Who then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time? When a master went away on business, he, he put one servant in charge of his household and his other servants. And the master is God, and he has put you in charge of his household. And it's your responsibility as his servant to use your time and talents and gifts and money to serve him with your whole life and be faithful. He continues, verse 46. Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. This is a reference to a believer who has proved to be faithful while on earth, while the master was away, and he was rewarded with greater responsibility at the return of the Lord. But look at the unfaithful servant. Once again, not my words. Do not think I'm making this up. Listen to the words of Jesus to those who are unfaithful. He's speaking of those who do not trust Christ, who are unbelievers, who have strayed. Look what it says, verse 48. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time, and begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour which he does not know and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the unbeliever. They may act like a believer when the master is around. This is classic Southern Christianity. People go to church and act like they're believers while they're around other Christians. But when they're out and about, they are flat-out pagans. They show what's in their heart. They treat others harshly. They live for themselves, hedonism all around. And it's saying when they least expect it, the master will return. And the person, it says, will be cut up into pieces and sent to hell where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth and they will join all the other hypocrites who profess faith in God but whose lives were far from faithful. And Jesus is pressing, he's pressing. He's like, which servant are you? Are you the faithful servant to the master Jesus demonstrating your faithfulness? Or are you the one that's far from the Lord, no regard for him, living a life of hypocrisy? It's all going to be made known when he comes back. It's all going to be revealed. All's going to be seen. The heart will be laid bare. Are you a true follower of Christ, longing for his return? Or are you playing games? It's never too late to repent and follow Christ. 
My brothers and sisters, I know we live in some hard times. I, 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 I say it all the time to my wife when I watch the news. I, I say, what are people thinking? What are they thinking about some of the stuff they're doing? It's just foolishness. What are they thinking? But as a believer, don't let this stir you up to despair and hopelessness. We are to long for the return of Jesus Christ, and we are to get ready by living lives of holiness and faithfulness. And I want to kind of give you a couple practical things for you to think about as you long for the return of Christ, as you wait for that day. A couple practical things. One is this. Deal with the if-onlys. Deal with the if-onlys. I read about a guy who made a commitment with his wife to never say if-only. If only we've been taking better care of our health. If only we have spent more time with our family. If, if only we didn't let these grudges get in between us. If only we have shared our faith more. If only we would have stored up more treasures in heaven. If only we would have followed Christ more. Now, of course, there is grace and forgiveness all around. But no matter what phase you are in life, you can deal with the if-onlys. Where you're still alive, you still are following Christ, you have community, you can deal with those if-onlys and dismiss them from your lives and walk on this narrow road and following Christ until he comes back. Deal with the if-onlys, whatever they are in your life, deal with them and eliminate them and walk in faithfulness. And the last thing I want to leave with you, this is really good. Um, Sorry, I can't put this short quote up for you, but it's by Michael J. Wilkins. He says, this is really quick. Live as though Jesus is coming back today, but plan as though he is not coming back for 100 years. Because we don't know when he's coming back, but you need to live like he's coming back today. But it doesn't mean that you eliminate planning because you still have to make plans with your life, your family, your homes, jobs, your schools. But I want to ask you this question. If you knew that Jesus was coming back tomorrow, would you adjust anything about today? I'm not talking about plans. I'm just talking about your walk or your personal life, walking with Jesus, walking with people, holding grudges. If you knew he's coming back tomorrow, would you make any changes with today? And our response should be, hey, this is the way I'm living, and this is the way I want to continue to live, whether Jesus comes back today, whether he comes back tomorrow, whether he comes back 100 years from now. I want to continue walking faithfulness. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I want to be faithful. And, and I heard a story that really presses this home. This is a really cool story about a time where believers thought Jesus was about to come back, and they were trying to decide if they were going to continue on with their the business they had at hand. And it happened back in uh, May 19th, long time ago, 1780. This is something that happened back then. It's a true historical event. The sky turned dark, so dark that they uh, needed candles to see at noon. And this was in New England. And the darkness over New England spread as far as they could see. Every town in the area that could be contacted 
experienced the same thing. It was just shocking, frightening, and unexplainable to the people of that day. And later, historians would explain that it was a combination of smoke from the Canadian forest fires. It was cloud cover and fog. But to the people during that time, all they knew was that the sun was blotted out at noon, and they thought the end must be at hand. So the Connecticut legislator was unsure if they should go ahead and meet or go home with their families and wait for the end. And what they'd have to do if they were going to meet, they were going to have to bring in candles at noon so they could see to carry on most basic business, to bring in the candles. But Abraham Davenport stood up, and this is what he said. I choose for one to meet him face to face. No faithless servant frightened from my task, but ready when the Lord of the harvest calls. And therefore, with all reverence, I would say, let God do his work. We will see to ours, bring in the candles. The idea is that We want to be faithful servants living as if Jesus Christ is coming back today. We want to be faithful. We want to plan. We want to long for his return. We don't want to be caught in doing stuff we shouldn't be doing. We want Jesus Christ and long for his appearing like a thief in the night. We are ready, and we are ready for his return. We're ready to see him face to face. We want to walk in his faithfulness, and we want to walk in faithfulness together for his glory. Are you ready? There is a river of gladness Pours from Emmanuel's veins The sinner was plunged Beneath the flood and got saved Since then I walk in forgiveness All of my guilt was erased The chains of the past Are broken at last I got saved Oh, I got saved I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord I'm restored and made right He got a hold of my life I got Jesus How could I want more? I've received nothing but goodness I've tested and tasted your grace I was so lost till I fell at the cross And got saved Oh, I got saved. I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus. I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord. I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my life. I got Jesus. How could I want more? 
God won't let me stay the same. The love of God pulls me up higher. His love is stronger, that's why I got saved. I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus. I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord. I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my life. I've got Jesus. How could I want more? I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus. I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord. I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my life. I got Jesus. How could I want more? I've got Jesus. How could I want more? I've got Jesus. How could I want more? We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.